Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Clip and Roll. As always, I am your host, Justin Russo. Joining me on this episode is Tomer Azarli of Clutch Points. Tomer, you and I haven't done one of these in a while. I haven't done one of these in a while. I've been enjoying the time off. I apologize to the listeners. I needed time off. Some stuff has happened in my personal life that I'll get into in a minute. But first, Tomer, how's it going, buddy? How you been? Well, I'm, I just burned a pot, as I told you a few minutes ago. But other than that, everything should be okay for now. Um, as long as you're not burning good. the place down. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I was making... Uh, Boiling some chicken for Duke, and uh, now you know. I just ended up burning, uh, burning up a pot, so cleaning that up. But uh, other than that, everything else is good. Went to Hawaii, got some vacation time, not enjoying some stress-free basketball. So other than that, I'm good. How about yourself? You've been uh, a little busy the last couple of weeks or a couple of days, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, so for those who don't know, don't follow. I uh, I just got a dog. His name is Charlie. He is the cutest boy, and he is also a terror. I love him to death, though. He gets his way and he knows it. He is a little over a year old. He's a Basset Hound Beagle mix and he's crazy. He wants to play and he never wants to sleep. It is uh it, it, it is it is like having a toddler on on just like copious amounts of speed. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It is it is incredible. I'm gonna flip that around. I think I'm gonna flip I think I think Charlie got a human is what happened there. I don't think you got a dog. I think you got a human that he can now mess with and terrorize because you're just, uh, you're just there. I think. Yeah, I just pay for things for him, and he just he lives it up. This is what's happening. Um, By the way, in the days leading up to this, Justin showed me uh, the plans to spoil his new dog, and let me say this guy went all the way, just insane. Yeah, just I, insane. I wasn't gonna half-ass it. That's the thing. It's my son. I have to. I have to go crazy. He's my. He's my boy. That's my boy. Um. <laughs> But speaking of spoiling, I guess in a weird segue, the Clippers spoiled their fans with early news way back early in May uh, in terms of uh, re-signing Robert Covington. He signed a two-year, $24 million extension. Uh, He could have got more money if he had actually hit free agency and re-signed with his bird rights. But either way, Clippers re-sign him. He stays for an extra two years. His contract will run out the same time as uh, Kawhi and PG. And Marcus Morris, uh, Kawhi and PG will have player options for the year after that. But either way, they all kind of run out along the same time. I think Luke Kennard's contract ends the same year as well. But um, essentially, Tomer, let's talk about Roka real quick. Uh, This seems like the perfect marriage between coach, player, system, team, and the fact that they got a no-brainer done has to be the first sign to Clipper fans that this should be a straightforward business as usual off season, correct? Uh, you would, you would think so. Yeah. I mean, uh, first, I mean, I think Covington was probably the biggest, uh, biggest thing that you had to knock out of there. I mean, I know that there are some player options to, to, to um, you know, to deal with, with Nico and stuff, and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, Covington, the way he played proved himself to be a very valuable and very important piece to this Clippers team. And, um, you know, I think everyone kind of thought, I think the Clippers do have his rights, so I think that people were optimistic about him staying. But you know, you never know until until you actually 
you know, sign on the dotted deal, sign on the dotted lines, excuse me. So um, it was good to, good to get that done. I mean, clearly you saw that he enjoyed his time here and the Clippers really wanted him um, because, again, he could have waited until free agency began to really navigate this, take some meetings, see what he can get done, and he decided not to, which tells me that clearly both sides were satisfied, both sides were happy. Um, you know, the way I saw it, he obviously could have gotten more money, but this way it allows him to, to line up that, that contract with, with Kawhi and PG when they become free agents. Uh, he still is somewhat tradable if you want to trade him. Uh, you do have the ability to uh, – he, he does have the ability to sign probably one more big contract uh, before his NBA career is probably winding down, really. So I think it makes sense on all fronts. I think I think it looks really good. It's, it's good for him, good for the Clippers. And, uh, yeah, just, just you know, good to see him back. He's a good dude. He's, he's a really, really nice professional person. Uh, just had a new, a new baby girl, so I'm sure he's excited to get going in L.A. again. So, um, yeah, just, just good news all around, really. I mean, it also uh, kind of further solidifies, I guess, how good that trade was for them. Because not not only did they get Norman Powell, who was locked up for another four seasons, but they got Rocco and re-signed him for two more seasons. So you got two guys who fit in pretty seamlessly around your two stars. And they don't make a ton of money. For instance, Norman Powell this upcoming season makes $16.8 million. And Rocco's making 12.3, which by the way is a weird thing because they front loaded Rocco's contract, which I mean for the Clippers really doesn't matter, but it's also like a very interesting thing that they front loaded his contract at 12.3 million this, uh, this upcoming season. And it's 11.7 in the second year. So it's just, it ultimately means nothing, but it is a kind of an interesting aside, I guess that they front loaded a contract rather than back loaded it as, as a lot of teams usually do. I do, I, I do think it's not that uncommon, though. We are seeing that more and more in the NBA here and there. I don't think it's that uncommon anymore. Well, the Orlando Magic have been known to front-load contracts. I just don't think a lot of teams specifically front-load deals. Um, right. Most times you're just... Because most times you're trying to uh, worry about the luxury tax number or the, or the hard cap for that one year rather than, you know, the future year. So you don't see a lot of de-escalating deals. It's just, so when one comes across, it's like, Oh, that's, that's kind of curious. Like, I wonder why now ultimately it doesn't mean anything for the Clippers, but it's just rather fascinating to some degree. So, but look, they needed to bring him back. He's a very crucial uh, member of the team. Um, Can do a variety of things. Can play the three, four and five. As we saw, can make threes, can defend, can be a great cutter. Uh, I guess beyond that, what you see is what you get with Rocco and to get him back for two years, 24 million feels kind of like a steal considering I thought he would get at least, you know, three forty or four or four or four fifty out there kind of from, from a team just, just based on the fact that, you know, his skill set, the way the league's gone, what you're seeing in the NBA playoffs, et cetera, like his, his style of players become very important in this league. Yeah. I mean, you've seen that a lot. Um, over the last couple of years, a, a guy like him just becoming more and more rare. And I think, uh, you know, I agreed with you in, in how much I thought he would he would um, make this summer. I thought he had a chance to make a lot of money. Um, but like I said, I, I think I think both parties are just really happy to have each other. I mean, Roko's been traded multiple times. I'm sure all he wants at this point with, with a new baby is just stability and stuff like that. So um, really, I'm, I'm not too surprised to see how everything uh, played out with him. But I think he's just... 
you know, both teams just really want to play for a title. Both teams are excited to, to get this going. And um, now we have a chance to see how it, how it plays out. But uh, Roko was a significant part of last season. Uh, you know, if they made the playoffs last year, I mean, I think he would have played an even bigger part with his ability to play the small ball five. So, um, you know, unfortunate that we didn't get to see that. But I think Ty Lue, you know, uh, has, has some exciting plans in store for uh, Robert Covington. Dorian Finney-Smith signed an extension with the Dallas Mavericks um, during the season. That was four years and almost $56 million. Uh, now, Dorian Finney-Smith is 29 years old. Obviously, Robert Covington's a little bit older. Uh, Robert Covington's 31, so I understand there's two years of age difference. But archetypes of players are kind of similar. Dorian Finney-Smith's a little bit better offensively in terms of uh, relied upon to do a little bit more offensively. But Rocco's the better better defender, et cetera. Um, it's just interesting to see Dorian Finney Smith get 556 and Rocco get 224. Uh, specifically because I felt like if he hit the market, 450 would have been somewhat of a fair representation of the level of player. Because when you really look at it, he's making $12 million a year. And the non-taxpayer right. mid-level is, is ten point, almost ten point four million. So he's making just above the taxpayer mid-level, which, which is just kind of, I guess, like a very intriguing thing to notice that he didn't get paid. This the two years was the most he could have gotten. I'm just the money was what was interesting. So from that standpoint, I found it a little bit uh, interesting that he didn't get more money it almost seemed like he was just comfortable as you said comfort level is a big deal it seemed like he was very comfort uh comfortable with where he was at and at the end of the day comfort level kind of dictates everything in this league does it not i mean especially at this point in his career though like remember when we when we had that final game when when, when i don't think anyone really expected him to lose to new orleans when they lost that game you know i think it was andrew who asked him like what are your priorities in free agency um, you know, for a guy like him who came in a little bit late, who didn't make the most money right away, like you, you could, you could, you could easily accept him saying, "I want to make more money," and set my family up for generations. There would be absolutely no issue with, with if if he said that. Um, but but he's a guy who who you know he's been in, he's been injured here and there, not too much, but he has dealt with some injuries over the past. Um, I think he. I think for one, I think he's also tired of being traded. I, I really think he's just done with that. I mean, he went from, I think it was Philly to, was it Philly to Minnesota to Houston and then back to Portland? Is, is that the order it was? I think it was that order. Correct. Um, Correct. And I, I don't think he's ever completed like a deal. He's been traded and then had to re-sign that deal with that team or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. He's never actually signed in free agency. Um, you know, obviously so, so, continues, so, but. So, uh, so he re-signed. He re-signed with Philadelphia in 2017 for a multi-year deal. And that's okay. the deal that just ended. The one where he just got traded uh, three different, four different times. To Minnesota, to Houston, to Portland, and to the Clippers. That was the deal. Oh, okay. So he, so he did, so that's, oh, that's a Philly deal. Wow. So yeah, so he really hasn't been able to get paid like that, I don't think. Like, what was that deal? Was it four, four forty or four something? Four-year what extension. Uh, extension on top of the year he probably had left. Okay, so yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Covington's just been traded a few times since then. I mean, what four, three times over this over that deal alone, uh, four times over that deal alone. So four um, times, I'm sure yeah. he's a guy who's who's 
just wanting stability. I mean, and I think priorities change to like the 10th magnitude or whatever, whenever you have a child. Uh, and especially when it's your first child, um, nothing comes before your family at that point. I don't think, especially when you're at this age and everything. So, uh, I, I can, I can completely understand why he just wanted some stability, you know, got what he could, was happy with the team, happy with the organization, happy with his teammates. Um, you know, his, his, his girlfriend or fiance or wife, whatever it is, and his child are probably going to be happy here. So, um, it, it's kind of simple, um, when, when it comes to that. So, um, yeah, just again, just just happy to have him back because I know that he could have prioritized a lot of different things in free agency, um, and no one would have blamed him. But um, to to be to, to be here is, uh, you know, he's committed. He's committed. The Clippers are committed to it, and um, hopefully, it's uh, it's the start of a beautiful kind of a relationship that ends in a championship. We'll see. Speaking of guys who have contract decisions or have big contract decisions, I guess let's talk about Nico Nicholas Patum. Um, he has a player option. He has until June 29th to decide whether or not he's going to pick up the player option or decline it. Uh, if he exercises the player option and, uh, or picks it up, I should say, if he picks up the player option, he'll make 3.3 million. If he declines the player option, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. As I said, he has until June 29th, uh, to make that decision. But there's been news recently, and this is from a French a French online show called First Team. You wrote about this. You actually uh, went to a French translator, which is very admirable of you. I, I res- respect how much you went to the extra mile. And beyond even just the extra mile, you actually talked to Clippers coach Teron Liu about Nico's comments. And I'm going to step back and let you take it away from here to discuss the whole thing. <laughs> uh yeah i mean i i try to translate it myself but as you know my french is not up to par so i decided to let the, oui, let the oui. french experts kind of handle it yeah that, oui, that's, oui. that's the <laughs> that's as far as my french will go <laughs> you know my the only french i know the only french i know like actual french that i know was from dexter's laboratory which was omelette du fromage omelette du fromage yes yes, yes. oh my god that i can never forget that episode um yeah, but I, you know, I, I, you know, I caught wind. Some, some, one of the one of the Clipper fans who, who's also French happens to uh, happen to send that to me on on um, on Twitter, and and you know, I I caught wind of it, and I you know, I translated, he helped me translate it, and we we kind of just went over, and I was like, oh, that'd be cool. Um, that's a, it's a cool comment from you know, Nicholas Batum said Tehran Lou saved me when he was asked about um, you know, if he could play anywhere else in his in, in the rest of his NBA career, or however many years he has left, he was asked. Where would you like to play? What was is it with Rudy Gobert? Is it somewhere else? Is it the Clippers? Where is it? And his response to that wasn't to say a team name; it was to say Teron Lou saved my life. Um, and and there was a brief pause there. And the um, so so the guy who asked the question was like, so basically the Clippers. And Batum responded with the Clippers until they kicked me out. Teron Lou saved my life, and essentially saying I'm I'm indebted to them is, is what he what he essentially said. Um, which I thought was 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 a incredible quote from Batum. I mean, considering you know his his vast basketball career, you know, from going from France to to the States, playing in Portland, being really good there, and Charlotte as well. Um, this is a guy who just who didn't need to say Ty Lue saved his life. The man has made all the money in the world. He played basketball at the highest level. Um, but he, he said that you know Ty Lue saved his life, and after. A couple of years down in Charlotte, he wasn't really sure about himself. I think a lot of people were kind of uh, questioning how good he can be. 
Um, and then when he came here, he he said Tyloo helped him, you know, help kind of rejuvenate his career. I think any of us who's watched to kind of agree that he's done the same with Reggie Jackson as well. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I saw the comments and I was like, oh, maybe I should just, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do a quick article on this. Maybe I'll aggregate it, whatever. Uh, and then I was kind of like, well, why don't I just see if, uh, if Tyler has any comment about it? You know, I mean, we're, you know, worst case scenario is like, I have no comment. Um, so I reached out to Ty. <laughs> I reached out to Ty and I said, hey, I was wondering if, if, you, could, if, you, uh, if you had any comment on this. And I told him what Batum said. And he paused and he goes, he said, what? And I had to repeat what he said because Ty apparently just could not believe what, what Nico said. Um, what happened after that? Oh, so I was like, do you have any comment about that? And he said, yes, I have a comment, but call me back in like 10 minutes. I'm like, all right, that's, that's cool. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Um, I called him back in 10 minutes, no answer, whatever. Uh Call, he, he called me back in like 30 minutes. He was like, sorry, I was buying something at the store. I was like, all right, no worries. Uh, and then he just gave me a you know, long long answer, basically saying like, uh, you know, it, it means a lot for, for Nico to say that to him because, uh, you know, Ty is also trying to establish his own kind of, um, you know, culture and, and, and coaching career here with the Clippers. And he said it just means a lot because – of what he's trying to establish. And he also said it's, it's not just a one-way street. Like Nico Batum has been fantastic for our organization as well. Um, you know, he's one of my favorite guys to coach. Uh, so it means a lot to hear that from him. Um, so that's it's basically along those lines. Like I can, you know, he's probably just link to the article um, if you guys want to read it. But, you know, talked about how he's always been a fan of Batum's and how he's he's really thankful for those comments. Um, but but I will say he was, he was a little um, – shocked when I initially told him about that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really, that was pretty much it. It wasn't anything too crazy, but, you know, we talked about some stuff after, but, uh, we'll, we'll leave that to the, to the, to the, to the sidelines. <laughs> the, the interesting part of the Batum thing too, is when the interviewer asks him where he wants to end his career with the Clippers or somewhere else. And he does say, Teron Lou saved my life. And the interviewer says, so the Clippers, and then Batum said, so the Clippers, until they boot me out, Teron Lu saved my life or, or saved yeah, me. Yeah, pretty much. So so it's very interesting that like, for, first off, let me just say, it's, it, it's amazing to hear a player say this about a franchise. And it makes me be led to believe that he's coming back if the team obviously wants him back, which I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, but number two, think of how far this franchise has come in a decade from when yeah. like no one wanted to play here to now players only want to play here unless the team doesn't want them. It's insane. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely come a long way. I mean, there's 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 no it it's it, it's a quick transition. I mean, you went from. Uh, what was it? This the Sterling area, Sterling era, where no one really wanted to play here. I think it was, you know, looked down upon. And then uh, you go here now, and um, you know, you you have a championship coach with, with a great organization, great front office. Um, and just I think everyone has a has a collective goal. So, um, I mean, at this point, you're probably not too surprised. But when you look at the organization, you know, you step back and look at the whole organization from you know from start to finish, you know, all the rough parts in between. 
it's uh yeah it, it's pretty significant to have guys who just who just want to be here and just want to play there so um i think they also have just focused on getting high character individuals um so because of that it shouldn't be entirely surprising right no it shouldn't be entirely surprising uh I was going to make a joke about, so then they'll just trade for Kyrie Irving, but I'm not going to do that no, right now. No, not right now, please. This is, this is a feel-good no, I'm episode. Not gonna, I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> is that not the PVO you need? Is, uh, the, positive is the... vibes only. When when this yeah, guy was pos- worried about about the Suns or whoever it was, I just told him positive vibes only. And uh, and it worked. So It did work. Uh, the other topic of conversation, at least as far as June 29th goes, Avica Zubats has a team option. His team option is seven point five million. I do, just real quick. I don't see a, a world in which the Clippers don't pick that up. It makes no sense either way that they don't pick that up. It, it seems like a foregone conclusion. He's an easy plug and play center. He's a very right. dependable everyday starter. Uh, I don't feel like he takes. Um, I don't feel like he takes it as an affront if. Ty goes small and he's not on the floor. I don't think he takes that as like a sign of disrespect. I think he's a, an ultimate team first, whatever it takes to win guy. So this is an easy option to pick up in my opinion. I mean, probably one of the rare guys you could probably, rare starters you can say is crucial like that, but also doesn't really have that kind of, a, you know, um, personality. Like I got to be out there. I got to be the one helping the team or else we're, we're screwed kind of thing. So. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's I think it's it's a no it's a no brainer there. You gotta you gotta pick up Zoo's option. I think even beyond that, you have to look at. Um, I think he's a serviceable center. I don't I don't think he's gonna be you know an all star technically by any stretch, but he's a very serviceable, very good uh, championship. You know, you can win a championship with him as your center. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, on like Ben Simmons and Doc Rivers after what he said. But yeah, anyways. Oh jeez. Uh, but like I mean, if someone said if someone to... said to you, "Can you win a championship with Zoo as your center?" You'd probably say, "Yeah." I mean, with this kind yeah. of team, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm trying to say. Like with this kind of team, you don't. I don't think you necessarily need an upgrade of any kind. I think you're fine with him as your starting center. I don't think you need an upgrade. I don't think an upgrade is out of the realm of possibility either. Man, you know, you're trying to speak I mean, into look, existence. I'm just, I'm just, be, I'm just we being get fair. It. We get I, it. You want Rudy Gobert? I don't we think... get it. I don't think they are going to do that, but I don't think it's one of those things. It's an asinine thought to have. Uh, the interesting thing yeah. with zoo too, is Lawrence Frank in the uh, media thing back in April after, after their exit. Um, he did mention something that was very crucial about zoo. He said he's 25. He's not even in his prime. So I still think there's a bump up for him. I think he can even become a better rebounder. He can be harder to be blocked out. I think the different times that we kind of went to him, like, again, you can point to the individual games, but the game in Denver was to me something that should be a real motivator for him. Uh, That was the night zoo had, I believe 32 points. Was that, was that, was that what it was? 32 or something like that? Yes. 32 points. So yeah. And obviously everyone looks great on their best night, but I think Lawrence Frank's ultimate and overarching point is correct. He's 25 years old. He and he has a wealth of experience in this league because he came into the league so young. So a 25-year-old center, who by the way just turned 25 in March. It's not like he's 25 for another month. Like he just turned 25 in March, two months ago. And he's been a starter with the Clippers ever since he got here. 
And like he started 204 games for the Clippers in three and a half years. This guy is, is there every day. Yeah. He's a focal point for their defensive rotation. And they can trust him as a low post option against mismatches at times. So factoring all that in factoring his age, factoring in what he can do at the end of the day, it's a no brainer to pick up the player or pick up the team option. And I do wonder what an extension would cost for him, but also it's not my money. So I don't really care. I think he's one of the guys though, that when, if you extend him, I don't think like, like I seriously think with zoo, if you extend him, I don't think that stops the improvement. I think he's a guy who's constantly trying to improve, whether that's from a mental and basketball IQ standpoint or an actual tangible effect on the game, on the floor, skill-wise. So I don't think if you extend him, that's the end of the road. I, I actually think there's real growth to still be had. Lawrence Frank's correct. He's not even in his prime. He's got a couple years left to hit to his prime. I'm very interested to see what a prime Avica Zubats looks like. I mean, probably just, just more consistent, more solid. Um, uh, you, you and I, I mean, I, I, will say, I won't say you and I. I've, I've gone at you. Um, well, that's not the way to put it. I've, I've kind of ranted to you about how sometimes Zoo needs to play stronger and, you know, play with a bit more force and not lay things up and just throw it down sometimes when he has the obvious, um, like, like, ability to do so uh so I, I think i think those are probably a bit of the things that come with with time you know just just playing stronger just just knowing areas on the floor better uh, not that he doesn't know him well now but just just better than than, than he is now at it um you know p- playing with a bit more force when necessary i think is going to be a, a big thing for him but um like i think he's 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 a very you know he's a I think his IQ is kind of underrated uh, as 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 a starting center. Like he really just good communicator, knows where to be. I mean, I think Pat Bev got a lot of the credit when um, when he was here, but I think it was also a combination of Pat and Zoo and just uh, having the ability to have two guys on the perimeter and on the inside to uh, hold it down for you, kind of. So um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how much how much Zoo can improve, but I still think there's there's probably things here and there that he can do. Um, sort of marginal things to, to, to get better. Uh, but like, I, I don't think he'll be like an all-star by any stretch. You know what I mean? But he still has a chance to improve and get a lot better. Speaking of guys who still have a chance to improve and get a lot better, Terrence Mann is an interesting topic of conversation just simply because he's going to be entering his fourth year. He did just recently sign an extension with the team before last season. Um, he's still on his rookie deal this upcoming season. And then the two seasons afterwards are when his deal actually kicks in. Um, but he posted career highs in points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. Uh, he, he was a focal part of their offense as a backup point guard after the trade in February. He was a point of attack defender and a switchable player for them. I'm currently writing something about the types of lineups that the Clippers can use next season. He's a big part of that because of what he did this past season which was so integral to the team's success. I truly don't think people understand how, like how much he played. He played in 81 of the 82 games. That was the most any player played on the Clippers this year. And if you look at minutes, he played only 20 fewer minutes than Reggie Jackson, which 
A, tells you how many minutes Reggie Jackson played, but B, tells you how important Terrence Mann is that he played only 20 fewer minutes than the guy who started a point guard. So, you know, when you end up looking at that, it's rather intriguing. Terrence, oddly enough, also took the third most shots on the team, but he was only one shot behind Marcus Morris for second, which is kind of of a funny thing to realize. He also took over 200 threes, made almost 37% of them. He's a knockdown catch and shoot shooter. He's a good driver. He's a good attacker of closeouts, solid playmaker, solid rebounder, pushes the pace. Next season, and strictly talking next season, do you think we can see an increased role for Terrence? Because I think, like, I really do think that he could be the backup point guard. Like, I know Jason Preston's going to be there, but he's still technically so, going to be a rookie. So I have a question. I have a question. But before, before we dive into that, in his, in his post-game, post-end-of-season remarks, whatever you want to call them, uh, Marcus Morris said they needed a backup point guard. And he said that Terrence Mann did an admirable, jo- admirable job filling in for that. But he still said they felt, he felt like they, missed, they were missing a, a, a backup point guard. So... I don't one one. I don't know how you take that if you're Terrence. I mean, obviously he didn't mean anything bad by it because he did praise Terrence and said that he he played well. But I think the the plan the entire time was to give Terrence the reins of of the backup point guard because he was just he just wasn't as effective when the ball wasn't in his hand. He wasn't as effective when he wasn't the guy who was able to push transition and and create opportunities for other guys. He wasn't as effective. Like it's just I don't even think it's debatable. He just wasn't as effective. And so when you say we need a backup point guard, I, I if you do get that person, I don't know where Terrence necessarily fits. I do think Terrence should be the backup point guard next year. I think he's, he has a role there. But, like, I just don't know if – because I, I will also say I don't think Mark, Marcus Morris was alone in feeling that way. I don't think he was alone in feeling like they, they were missing a backup point guard. But I just don't know how you how you take that as, as a teammate, how you kind of – from a team standpoint, like organizational standpoint, how do you look at that? You, you get what I'm trying to I'm trying to ask here. Like, are are you saying how do you look at his comments about it, or are you saying how do you look not at the only position that, itself? but but just but but the position itself moving forward? If your own player is saying he did an admirable job, but we need a backup point guard, but the front office is saying, okay, we basically want you to be the backup point guard. What like how do you balance that? You know what I'm saying? Because Terrence off the ball is just not as effective. So, I. First off, Marcus's comments, I don't think he meant it in like a way that was to undermine what Terrence did after Bledsoe was traded. No, he didn't. He praised him. He didn't. He praised him. Right. But there but, but it's tough to it's tough to take it as just praise for Terrence when you're saying, but we still missed a backup point guard. Right. Um the point I want to add actually is when Lawrence talked in mid-April after they were eliminated. And he got asked about the backup point guard. Do you remember that? Because because the Marcus comments got a long time ago. <laughs> the Marcus comments got brought up to Lawrence. Is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they got brought up, Lawrence makes an interesting comment um, where he talks about how the actual role of a backup point guard isn't what they look for they are more or less looking at um 
like the play initiator. He mentions play initiator a couple times where. Right, right. Like, yeah, like, you know, what I'm talking about where he talks about these guys who can who can uh, get guys in position and start the play as opposed to like just the traditional backup point guard position, like what we're used to knowing it as. Right. His his direct quote was, I look at the position a little bit differently in the sense of because the game now is being played a little bit differently. There are some obviously elite point guards in the league, but a lot of teams are playing through their wings like we do. So I look at it as, do we have enough play initiators between Kawhi, PG, Norm, Reggie, Terrence? Like, I don't know. We'll look at it. We're not adverse to it, but we'll continue to evaluate and see if we have to address it. The reason I bring this up is because he specifically mentions Terrence as a play initiator, which tells me he is comfortable with Terrence being an on-ball generator and engine for second units or when Reggie has to sit or anything like that. So the comments made by Marcus and the comments made by Lawrence while they are two different comments entirely, one saying that they trust Terrence completely as a play initiator, the other one saying, or not saying that they trust Terrence completely, but but implying that they have trust in Terrence as a play initiator, and the other one imply, implying that while Terrence did a good job, an admirable job, that they needed a little bit more punch out of the backup point guard. I think there is something along the same lines of where they both see that Terrence can do it. And maybe this off season bridges the gap to where he is able to do it. Cause remember Lawrence talks about how they give the players off season workout plans. And maybe Terrence's off season workout plan is to do more on ball stuff. And I can't imagine that that hasn't been the off season thing for, for two years now. I think it was a little bit different last year. And I think like, I think going into last year, he knew he was going to handle the ball a little bit more, but he was still like, they thought they were going to have PG. So he wasn't going to have to handle it as much. You know what I mean? I mean, regardless of PG being there or not, and the minutes that he played with Bledsoe, I don't think it was nearly as good as the minutes he played without Bledsoe. Like him himself. Like, I, I think Bledsoe you. was fine, but like, yeah, I, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know what, what, if you get a backup point guard, you're basically saying like, if they get another point guard in the off season, a veteran point guard who's going to play the backup point guard. Like you're basically saying we don't trust Terrence. That, that's what I see that as. I, I It's not even that they, you're saying you don't trust Terrence's progression as a player. I also look at it as like, you just don't trust Jason Preston either. Well, he's harder to rely on because he is a technically a rookie this year. I, I agree, but, but, but there is an underlying thing too. If you're, if you get the actual traditional quote unquote, traditional backup point guard, what does that also say about Norman Powell? Well, I well I don't. It's yeah, I don't think you can have too many. You can have too many of those guys because right? like we saw this year, injuries can ravage you to the point where you need some. But it, I mean, I guess it, it it'll depend on on who who they want to play. Like they could just as easily get a backup point guard, but not play that person ahead of Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann could still be the backup. So we have to see how Ty wants to incorporate that and how they play it. But, um. I mean, as far as like play initiator goes, like uh, Kawhi, PG, Terrence, Norman, who else? Reggie. That's probably enough right there. I don't think you need um, much more than that. 
So, but but Terrence Terrence does have have room to grow, but um, I I don't know how much he can grow on this team. Uh, he can. I just don't know if it'll be as as big of a jump as people are hoping or maybe expecting on a team that's just loaded. I don't disagree with you, but I also like in a weird way, I feel like he's going to be an integral part of next year's team because there's so many. Well, I mean like from an actual, not like an, Oh, he's playing minutes and all this stuff. I mean, like, I think he's going to be in lineups that decide games like trusted lineups where it's like him, PG, Kawhi, Nico, uh, Roko together. Like that's a that's a that's a five man lineup that we could legitimately see where Terrence is the quote unquote point guard. Um, you know, you're you're gonna see lineups where it's like Norman Powell, Terrence, PG, Kawhi, maybe Zoo. So it's like there are th- there are lineups where oddly enough, I feel like Terrence is crucial to bridging a gap where Kawhi and Pete, like this is the other thing too that I've been thinking about the last couple days to a week or so. Terrence might be very crucial next year to keep Kawhi healthy because Terrence, Terrence and, and, and Rocco too and, and Nico, God willing, he comes back. Those might be the guys who take the primary on-ball re- defensive responsibilities to ease the burden of Kawhi who hasn't played in 18 months and PG who's, you know, missed a whole heap of time in the last year or so. So I kind of think Terrence might be the guy that they lean on to be like, all right, you're going to play 28 minutes tonight and it's going to be 28 minutes of you guarding the toughest guy on the other team. And you're the backup ball handler. And yes, you're going to be a playing off the ball next to Kawhi and PG, but like, you're going to get after it defensively every possession. And those are hard minutes to ask for a young guy. Like Terrence is still a young guy, but I do feel like that is a crucial spot on the next year's team. And that's where I think you can see the growth from Terrence. So I'm, I'm very um, optimistic about what Terrence could do next season. And that's why I kind of want to talk about this. Like what he could be next season is, 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 is really fascinating to me. Because we're talking about a guy who knocks down catch and shoot threes at at a basically a forty percent rate, good drive and finisher, good transition guy, can make free throws, can rebound, can pass, can defend. That guy n- next to PG and Kawhi is incredible value, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't think it's crazy to hypothesize a world next season where Terrence Mann might be their third most valuable player. Now, is he the third best player? I think Norman Powell is better than him, but I think that Terrence would be the third most valuable guy. Let me just pull up this Patrick Beverly stay off the weed video. Real quick. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, By the way, Pat no, Bev, I mean... love you, buddy. Keep on Keep on hater tour 2022. Love you for it. God bless. <laughs> oh, my man is supporting the hater age. Jeez. You couldn't see it, but I saluted him as I said that. <laughs> my man is that hardware store, Home Depot salute guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say what the caption is, but you know what the caption is. <laughs> yeah, I know what the caption is. Pat Bev, love you, buddy. 
Salute, sir. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I will say the the idea of that play you described with Terrence next to Kawhi and PG is really good. The idea of that player, the forty percent knockdown shooter, the the guy who can go to the basket and create shots for himself and others. Um, but we saw like Terrence go through this weird phase this year where I think it was part of it was it was Bledsoe, but where he just wasn't himself. He wasn't sure when to be aggressive, when not to be. So like if you get that hesitant Terrence, then you you I don't know if you can play him as much. If you could get the one we saw um the year before that, where he and Luke were leading comebacks and you know, he in that postseason he was just a force to be reckoned with, then you're absolutely um Going to, going to be very well off with, with him next to Kawhi PG. So Terrence's final 28 games, which is when the Bledsoe trade happens. So Bledsoe trade happens. Terrence starts getting more minutes. Ter- 28 games. He averaged 28 and a half minutes a game. He averaged 12 points, nearly six rebounds, had three assists and a steal shot 57%. I'm sorry. 57%. That is not 57. Like I'm sorry. He oh, shot a goat right there. He shot 50% from the field, 37% from three. Um, played good defense. I, I, now, I don't think he's going to average 12, 6, and 3 on 50%, shooting 38% from three or whatever next year. But I do think that player that he was the last two months of the year, I think that's a real guy. And because I think that's a real guy, that's why I think he could be the third most important player on the team next year. Yeah, if you're getting that guy, he'll be the third most important player, for sure, 100%. If you're getting that player for an 82-game season or however many he plays, that's your third most important player. I agree with you. I just You just have to get that guy. You Yeah, you have to. That's the re- requirement, I guess. It's like, you have to get that guy. Like, you can't get the Terrence. For, if you get him for, let's say Terrence does end up playing 82 games, if you get that guy for 65 games, you're probably good, I would say. You can't get the Terrence that's hesitant to shoot or hesitant to do anything on the ball. You yes. you need the Terrence who's aggressive. Yep, 100%. Um, before we go, any last things you want to talk about uh, in terms of life? Anything going on that you want to discuss? Have you seen any good movies lately? Uh, have I seen any good movies? I started watching Homeland. Um, oh, the series? Yes. How far um, into that are you? I just finished season one last night. Very, very good first season of that show. Slower than I would like it to be. Very it slow. Was, it's a lot of just talking and not a lot of like action. So I expected it to be similar to 24, but I guess the difference is 24 is 24 hours. So you got to pack, pack a lot of things in there where this is just taking over you know, a span of like two months, three months, whatever it is. So it's just slower than I thought it would be. It's okay though. It's it's not, it's not bad. I'm enjoying it. It's just, I need, I need some of the acting to pick up and I need some of the story to pick up because I'm kind of, kind of slow, but so far. Okay. I just watched Kenobi. I don't know if you watched that yet. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, I'm upset. It's only six episodes. That's kind of bullshit, but whatever. I watched Top Gun Maverick in theaters on Thursday. Fuck that. I watched enough shit. What? I, I'm, I'm, I'm a staunch anti-Tom Cruise person. I will not support okay. watching any of his movies. Listen, I don't like Tom Cruise. 
that son of a bitch can produce movies. Okay. Well, I have. I don't want to. I don't want to go too crazy. But that man is not a good person to people who he works with on set. So I will just decline to watch his movies and be of that. Uh, I I respect that actually. I respect the petty. Be 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 the Pat Bev you wish to be. I mean, when Pat Bev brings out the facts, uh, there's no arguing. Uh, I, I, my I favorite Pat Bev thing because I'll get black blackballed. But uh, my favorite here. Pat Bev thing, by the way, is when he says, "Did I lie?" and they go, "No," yeah. but and it's like, <laughs> "Well, he said no, but you didn't tell the truth." Well, that was the Kendrick Perkins thing. Yeah, I mean, he didn't say the truth about James Harden. My man was just like straight up. James Harden looks like ass, and he's like, "Yeah, twenty five, ten, and eight. Like, no, bro, that has not been James Harden for a while now. So. Uh, he did technically lie, yes. Um, yeah. As far as movies, I mean, did you enjoy Top Gun Maverick? Yeah, it was it was a big, big dose of fan service, and that is completely fine. I loved it. No notes, A+. Plus. Okay, dope. Um, anything else? What I, I feel like I've watched some other things since then. What else have I, I almost bought a Nintendo Switch three different times and opted not to. Oh, I started Shadow of War, the PlayStation 4 game. Must be nice to be able to play video games. I can't because this dog is insane. No, don't do the dog. <sighs> <laughs> He's a good boy. I love my I love my son. All right, brother. We're going to get out of here. Uh, I don't know when the next podcast will be, but whenever it is, we'll see you next time. Tomaris, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good day.